Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Or those of you who didn't go away for the holiday weekend. Um, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus and we, where we love supporting and praying for uh, those who dedicate their lives to telling others about Jesus. So I've been trying to give you guys updates uh, regarding Jessica. She's one of the missionaries we support. And I don't know if you guys are aware, she has a Facebook group. Uh, it's a closed group for those who support her and want to pray for her. You can get updates from her directly from her there. Uh, but she it was supposed to go to Taiwan. That was kind of waylaid by all of COVID and Taiwan closing its borders and all of that stuff. So uh, I had been messaging back and forth with her. Uh, and at one point, because she was stuck in Virginia, she was even considering coming here. But that didn't come to fruition. She just couldn't make that happen. So I asked her if she would just make uh, an updated uh, a video to kind of give you guys an update on what she's doing and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to play the video, but it's possible, because this is the world we live in, that the Facebook and YouTube algorithms may stop the live stream because the video's playing, because they'll think it's copyrighted material. I don't know why that's the way they work. If they do... Uh, we'll restart the live stream, but we'll also post the entire video um, in the podcast that goes out and on our website. But uh, here's her update for you guys, her Crossroads family. Hello, Crossroads. Uh, this is Jessica here, one of your supportive missionaries. And it's been such a long time since I've been able to visit you all, but I just wanted to send you a bit of an update. Um, actually, I... Uh, moved to Taiwan at the beginning of 2020, right before the world went insane with COVID. And uh, because of pandemic-related situation, I was only able to be there for the, first, for the first six months of 2020 and came back to the U.S. in July of last year thinking I would be back to Taiwan within a couple of months. I just needed to process a long-term visa. Well, it took me many months to get the visa. When I finally got the visa, Taiwan's borders were closed, even to residence visa holders. And so I have been waiting ever since for their borders to reopen. To this day, they are still not open. However, um, I have the opportunity to head back to Cape Town, South Africa, where I lived for several years and to be on the teaching team for a church planning training starting on September 1st. So I'm actually getting on a plane tomorrow evening to head to South Africa. So appreciate your prayers. Uh, we'll have 15 or so students from Mozambique, South Africa, and even from Armenia. Uh, there'll be a couple there from Armenia, and uh, we'll be teaching them in um, how to plant reproducing multiplicative churches. And making disciples and so pray for your I ask for your prayers for for just a, a really special time of training and connecting for God to move in powerful ways with these students as we send them back to their home villages and towns to implement what they've learned 
So anyway, I wish I could be there in person to see you all and catch up with you all and meet those I haven't met before. But until I can get there, I hope you all stay well in the Lord, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, many blessings to you all. Have a good day. God bless. Yeah, so um, if you go to her closed Facebook group, if you request access, put in that you're from Crossroads, she'll, she'll let you in the group, and you can actually see pictures uh, that she posted from the ongoing training uh, with the people in Mozambique and all the other nations that she described. So um, I want to pray for her, uh, but first I want to pray for our tithes, because that's what your tithes and offerings go to support. They don't just go to pay the bills, they go to ensure that we can send people to places to share the gospel uh, in places where the gospel isn't currently being shared. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we thank you so much uh, for your provision, for your resources. We know everything that we have comes from you, and for that we are extremely grateful. We lift up Jessica to you. We thank you that despite the roadblocks from her getting back to Taiwan, you were able to create a way to use her to equip and disciple other people to share the gospel. And for that, we give you praise and thanks, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as you are uh, making your way back to your seats and um, getting situated, uh, we're starting a new series, teaching series this morning. Uh, but before we get to that, just a reminder, and I'm going to step down here and kind of correct this really quickly. There we go. Okay. Uh, just a reminder that um, kids are back in school, um, I think now, other than this being the weekend and Monday being Labor Day. Everyone's back in school, which means two things. One, it means summer's over, right? All the good summer stuff, even though officially summer doesn't end until, I think it's September 22nd. For the most part, it's over, um, although we still have a lot of time before people need to start posting about their pumpkin-flavored whatevers. We're not there yet. We've still got a lot of time for that. Summer's over, but also uh, keep in mind that school speed limits are now back in session. Um, I can remember a few years ago uh, when we were living in Virginia, well, several years ago, we were living in Virginia, and when school started back up, um, at that particular time, I used to leave for work at like 6 in the morning to beat traffic, because uh, I had to be there by like 8, and it took several hours. But um, that particular September, uh, for some reason, I was going in a little bit later. So instead of having to be there at 8, I had to be there at 8.30. So I left a little bit later and got stopped going about 35 and a 40, because I'm the guy that goes under the speed limit. And a cop pulled me over, and I'm like, seriously, I'm, I'm, was I going too slow? He's like, no, you're going too fast. I'm like, the speed limit is 40, I'm going 35. He said, the speed limit is 20, you're going 35, because the school, all that stuff was back in session. And he could see the shock on my face, so he didn't give me a ticket despite my bad attitude. Uh, just told me to keep it under the speed limit. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to be driving through all these neighborhoods and totally forget that school 
is back in session. And when school comes back in, uh, it's different now for teachers uh, than it was a few years ago. It is exactly like it was last year because, again, they are trying to teach during a pandemic, right? And they're getting all these rules thrown at them about here's how it has to be done, here's what needs to happen, and all that stuff. And um, I can remember whenever, uh, because we lived in New York, whenever we went back to school, it was always after Labor Day. And when we visited family everywhere else, for some reason they always went back before Labor Day, which made no sense to me. So we always had some extra time before we went back to school. I looked forward to going back to school because there were certain classes that I liked, uh, like I liked math. Um, and I also had, um, depending on what grade you were in, uh, you probably had favorite, did anyone have a favorite teacher? Teacher that kind of poured into you and did stuff for you? Yeah, favorite teacher. Uh, real quick, I had a teacher, um, I think it was in second grade, her name was Miss, and I wanted to vote it down so I didn't pr mispronounce it, Miss Ficarella. Right? She was my, one of my favorite teachers, even though she was a little bit harder on me than I thought than other kids. Uh, because when we did show and tell, um, first time I brought comic books to show and tell, uh, I thought I was doing okay, but when I got home, I got in trouble. She had called my mom, because apparently you're not just supposed to do show and tell, uh, or you're only supposed to do show and tell, but I was trying to get all the other kids to read comic books with me. Not just show them the comic book, but get them to be passionate about it and love it like I did. And I apparently stepped over some bounds, so she called my mom, and uh, I was banned from bringing comic books to show and tell for a little while. Because then, I think it was a couple of weeks later, we did a show and tell, and I didn't bring anything. And I instead described to second graders Here's how a cesium beam works. And for those of you who don't know, a cesium beam, it's the one pulse per second uh, that nuclear devices use to ensure they have precision timing. And so I explained that to these second graders in second grade language. And the teacher was impressed. Ms. Ficarella afterwards pulled me aside and said, how did you find out, like, how did you even know what that is? I was like, I read it in a comic book. Batman explained it to Robin in a comic book, so that's how I know what it is. And comic books were geared towards, you know, young kids then and all that stuff. So uh, she was a great teacher, and I can remember, sorry, let me drone on about this again. I can remember that we had a, uh, we, we, we were planning a surprise party for her, so the teacher's aide said, hey, Floyd, when we go down for recess, you and another kid named Terrence uh, she pays a lot of attention to you guys. So if you guys, when it's time to come back up, if you guys just break off and go running off, she'll go after you. And she'll send me up with the rest of the class. And then when she goes after you, we'll have time to get up in the class and decorate, and then we can surprise her. And so Terrence and I are like, yeah, cool. So once everyone was in line and ready to head back up to the class, we just, instead of just breaking off and running, we started arguing and fighting and hitting one another. And then she was like, stop. And then we took off running. And she like came flying after us. And as she got closer, we would start fighting and hitting again. And then we took off again. And then she came after. Then she used that teacher voice. 
that like, you know, that parent teacher voice, she was like, don't you move. And we like froze. Other kids in the fro they froze. Everyone like froze because it's that teacher voice. And we were like, oh my gosh, this was supposed to be fun. We're in trouble. And she came over and she started reading us the riot act, not because we were, you know, you did something bad or wrong. She was like, you guys are so much better than this. You can do so much more. That teacher thing where they're really kind of, you're in trouble, but they're lifting you up. And we're looking at each other and we're like crying and tears are coming down our face. And we're like, this was supposed to be fun and all this stuff. And we're like crying. And then we, we go back uh, to the classroom. And when we open the door, the whole class yells, surprise! And she is like, oh, it's like smiling and happy. And then you could see it on her face. She's like, wait. And then she turns around and she looks at us and she was like, is that what you two were doing? And we're like, yes, we're sorry. We were, just, blah, blah. We were, we were just trying to help and blah, blah, blah. And then she bent down and gave us a hug. I don't know if teachers can do that now. Gave us a hug. But then she again, oh, I knew that you guys were so much better than this and, and blah, blah, blah. And even then, we're still just trying to lift us up because that's what teachers do. Right? They, they lift people up. They pour into people. They encourage people. They try to help people. But right now, they're just trying to make it from day to day because there's a pandemic and the rules are changing. And it's whether or not you're vaccinated or you have to be masked. And then that changes because now people are throwing in lawsuits and school boards are not, no longer having the authority because then some states are like, you will do it this way whether the school board wants to or not. And others are like, no, you won't. And the people are suing. And teachers are just like, how can I just teach the kids? And they're kind of caught in the middle. So before we continue, can we just pray really quick for all the teachers and all the classes? God, we lift up all the teachers to you who, who just really just want to pour into children, want to lift them up, want to equip them, want to educate them, and are trying to do so in the midst of a pandemic where they either don't have the physical resources to do it or the administrative support to do it. And we know they're hurting but we know they're passionate about the children whom they serve, and we pray that you would encourage them and allow us to be an encouragement to them as well, to lift them up and not tear them down. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, this series we're starting, this is going to be really short this morning, but this series we're starting uh, is, is one that we actually started a few years ago. We started teaching through what's called the pastoral letters. Right? Uh, this particular series is the book of Titus, uh, where the Apostle Paul, who was a teacher, right? that's what he did, he preached and he taught, uh, reaches out to another teacher, someone whom he discipled, named Titus, and he starts communicating to him, hey, here's the way that you need to help and encourage and equip the people of God. And the theme of this letter that he communicates to him is there is absolutely nothing more important than correct biblical teaching when it comes to equipping the people of God, right? This is why we spend so much time in the Word of God. This is why we spend so much time going through the books of the Bible. This is why uh, uh, we spend so much time in Bible studies and all of these things because there is absolutely nothing more important. You can have, uh, you know, granted, we didn't have any of the musicians here today. You can have 100 musicians spread across the stage every Sunday morning without fail. 
But if you don't have someone there equipping the people from the word of God, you're not doing what God has called us to do. Right? You can have, uh, and I've been in a church, we were a part of a church in Virginia that had literally over a hundred different ministries, outreach ministries, motorcycle ministries, feeding the poor, this, that, and the other. But if you don't have someone equipping the people from the word of God, all of that is futile. That is the most important part of what we do as being the church. So in this series, right, uh, we're continuing uh, what's called the Pastoral Letters, and it's a group of books. The first are First and Second Timothy, and a couple of years ago we went through First Timothy, uh, First and Second Timothy, and then the other one is the Book of Titus. Uh, first Timothy was written uh, first, and then about six months later, uh, Titus and Second Timothy written within some say days, some say weeks of each other, about the same time. Uh, both the pastors, both written to people who Paul was discipling. And discipling someone, it's different in the Bible than what we do today. Today, when we say we're discipling someone, what we really mean is we're mentoring them, right? Because mentoring someone means you advise or train or uh, uh, you try to help them get better at doing something, usually a certain skill. So you have mentors in you know, every, every field, whether it be banking, whether it be in the medical industry, whether it be uh, uh, biblically, all kind of people mentor other people because you're trying to advise them and train them and help them get better at a skill. But when you disciple someone, right, that's where you teach, prepare, and equip them to live like you. That's where you spend time with them. That's where you uh, uh, live with them professionally, personally, and fully so that they can learn how to do what you do, not just the job, but the life, right? So this is what Paul uh, did for uh, Titus and for um, Timothy. Uh, this is also what Jesus did for his disciples. The process of discipleship is, is something that we need to do more. We don't see it more these days. Um, and it impacts people in such a way that it allows you to cross all of the lines of racial, cultural, political lines, right? So Paul, when he's discipling Titus, uh, they're not even of the same cultural background. Paul uh, was Jewish and Titus was Greek. And in Galatians chapter 2, this is what it says. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me. Paul is writing this to a church in Galatia, several churches actually, and in this particular passage, he's sharing, here's my testimony, here's my story, here's who I am. And part of his testimony and part of his story included Titus, right? Because if you think back to jobs you've had, schools you went to, things you've done in your life, there's people that you could probably leave out. There's stories that you probably won't include. But when you're discipling someone, you're bringing them into your life, and they become a part of your story. They become a part of your life. Uh, he goes on and he says this, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This is just showing, even though he was a different culture, even though he was a different uh, um, national background, Paul saw something in him that said, hey, let me include him and bring him into my life because that's going to be important. Because that, that's what people do 
when they want to pour into someone else. They include them as a part of their life. Again, that's what Paul did for not only Titus, but also Timothy. Uh, Timothy left his home. Titus left his home, and they went to be a part of uh, living and ministering with Paul. That's what the disciples did for Jesus. They left their homes, they left their families, and they went and they lived with him uh, day in, day out. They slept with him. They did life with him. And I know you guys are going to hate this, but it's the best reference I can come up with. That's what Batman did with Robin. How many people remember Batman and Robin? Yeah, okay, bear with me. How many people know that there were more than one Robin? Okay, yeah, well, I, I, I knew you. Okay, so here's, 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 just bear with me, all right? So Bruce Wayne, who is Batman... Spoiler alert, hopefully that's not a spoiler, uh, takes this young guy named Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson's parents were killed, so Bruce Wayne brings him into his home, brings him into his life, reveals to him that he's Batman, and then kind of shares his journey as Batman with him. And some of you guys may remember, this is the older Batman who had those really weird kind of Robin Hood shoes that people used to make fun of in the 80s. True story, in the 80s, I had a pair, they were black, but that was a whole hip-hop thing, so moving on past that, right? So, but then Dick Grayson grew up, he became Nightwing, another superhero, so then Batman says, hey, he finds this guy named Jason Todd. He makes him the second Robin. It was actually a guy who was homeless, and Batman caught him trying to steal the hubcaps off of the Batmobile, and then he's like, hey, you know what? You can do better than this. So he brings him into his life, he teaches him, he equips him, and he becomes uh, the second Robin. Now, here's the thing. When you're discipling people, uh, we have to be careful because not everyone is going to take to what we are doing, right? Paul, if you read through his letters, there were people who was like, hey, these people really helped me, and these people poured into me, but these people hurt me, these people betrayed me, these people lied to me. And this person, Jason Todd, even though he became Robin, uh, he later became a homicidal psychopath called the Red Hood, right? So when, when he moves on, uh, then Batman finds this other guy named Tim Drake, and he makes him the third Robin. And what he saw in Tim Drake was uh, Batman is known as the world's greatest detective. He's like Sherlock Holmes, but with billions of dollars in gadgets. And what he saw in Tim Drake was that detective-like uh, spirit, that thing to figure things out. So he brings him into his home. He mentors him. He molds him to be like a phenomenal detective. Uh, and he was one of the most popular Robins other than Dick Grayson. But then uh, he finds another a female named Stephanie Brown, makes her another Robin. She's more athletic, more of the fight style. And then, of course, he brings in his own son, Damian Wayne, because he was being raised by assassins, and Batman's like, okay, that's not good. So he brings him in, mentors him, disciples him, pours into him, and then raises him, right, uh, so that he can eventually... Eventually, he was supposed to take over as Batman, but he's still running around with Superman's son. Whole different thing. But the whole idea is, the whole point of discipleship saying is, I'm going to take my life, and I'm going to pour into your life. I'm not just going to teach you how to do this job. I'm going to teach you to live in this particular way, whether it be as a you know, vigilante superhero or as the people of God, the way that God intended us to live. And then this is how uh, Paul sees Timothy, because when he's talking about, excuse me, Titus, when he's talking about Titus to other people, he writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, God who comforts and encourages and refreshes and cheers the depressed and the sinking, comfort 
and encouraged and refreshed and cheered us by the arrival of Titus. And then he goes on and he says this about Titus. He says, but, excuse me, thanks be to God who planted the same earnest zeal and care for you in the heart of Titus. For he not only, referring to Titus, he not only welcomed and responded to our appeal, but was himself so keen in his enthusiasm and interest in you that he is going to you of his own accord. And he's talking about the fact that, hey, even though there wasn't a need, right, Titus took it upon himself to say, hey, there's, there's a need in this church. I'm going to go help him out. And Paul writes them and says, hey, Titus, he has this thing that God planted in him to care for and reach out and encourage others. And what Paul saw in that was, hey, I need to take that thing that God planted and I need to nurture it and help develop it to make it be all that God can be. And that's the whole process. That's what discipleship does. So I'm going to put these first couple of verses up on the screen from the book of Titus because uh, usually when we start a book, we only get through a couple of verses. Uh, so in Titus chapter 1, this is what Paul writes. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Now, he identifies himself as Paul, a servant of God, and Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And here's why he's serving God. Here's why he's an apostle, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge. He's a servant of God and an apostle in order to teach the truth. That's what he was called to do. He's going to help increase their faith. He's going to help increase their knowledge. He's going to help make sure that they understand that there is absolutely nothing more important than sharing the gospel. And he identifies himself to Titus to remind Titus, number one, share this love with other people because Titus, he, he lived with him. He spent time with him. He traveled with him. Titus knew that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he also identifies himself as this way to remind himself, to remind Titus, and to remind others that, hey, we're supposed to remember who we are in Christ. Almost every letter that Paul writes, he identifies himself. He doesn't start off with, hey, this is Paul. He says, hey, this is Paul, a servant of God. Hey, this is Paul called by God. Hey, this is Paul who's doing this and that for God. And part of the reason why our world, and speaking for Christians only, we're so divided is because we focus on more of what separates us than who we are in Christ. Because we're not just Baptists or Lutherans or Methodists or, 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 or Presbyterians or whatever. We're people whom God has saved by his grace, right? We're not just moms and dads and grandparents. Uh, we're children of the living God, right? We're not just people who go to a job and work. We're people who God has called out of darkness so that we might share the goodness of his glorious light. And if we focus more on what unites us instead of what divides us, then we might be more effective at doing what God has called us to do. So he identifies himself on Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Now, this is important. This is important. He's saying, hey, look, um, this thing that God has called me to do was promised before the beginning of time, right? And he says, uh, he has brought it to light through the preaching entrusted to me 
by the command of God, our Savior. The whole promise of God, right, that, that, that he promised before the beginning of time, now, in this appointed season, he's brought it to light through the preaching entrusted to Paul. He's reiterating to Titus the same thing. You're a teacher of the gospel. You're going to bring that truth to light. And again, he's reiterating, nothing is more important than correct biblical teaching when it comes to equipping the people of God. Because the way that God reveals himself now through to humanity is through the preaching of his word. And there's a lot of places where um, a lot of talking is done, but the Bible isn't really used or opened up. And we're going to close with this. He says to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And he's not saying, hey, you know, I'm your physical biological father. He writes the same thing to uh, several people in the Bible, including Timothy, that, hey, you're, you're a son in the faith. And he's indicating that the bond that we have through the gospel and through ministering and through sharing the gospel is tighter than the bond that most families have. And I'll close with this thought, because this is important. Those people who teach and, and preach, not just the gospel, but those people who teach in schools and teach in colleges and teach in universities uh, are usually the least honored people in most societies. Right? There are days for, for you know, like the 9-11 day, there are days to remember the firemen, there are days to remember the military, um, you know, every day that a politician campaigns is a day to focus on that politician. But there are very few times and opportunities where you get to go back and reflect on someone who taught you or equipped you or molded you or spoke into your life. And I can remember uh, after I got out of the military, um, I don't remember how old I was, still young, like maybe 21, 22-ish or something. I went back home to New York. I was maybe even younger than that. And I went back to my school, PS13. That, that's the school, public school 13. And I can remember going in uh, to go visit Miss Ficarella because I wanted to say, hey, thank you so much for believing in me and building me up. And I can remember, I can remember I was going up the stairs and as I was going up the stairs, the door to the stairway opened, and she came through with her class, which was not expected. And she looked at me, and she smiled, and she said, I know who that is. And I looked behind me, because I'm like, who? Because surely she couldn't recognize me. I mean, I was like seven, eight years old, and now I'm like 20-something. She couldn't recognize me. And she was like, that's Floyd Hughes. And I was like, wow. And then she, I can remember, because she started to say, I don't have time, and I'm guessing she was going to say, I don't have time right now, because I'm with my class to talk to you. And I, I just put up my hands, and I said, I just wanted to say thank you. And I could see it in her face. She was like, yes, I get that. And then I turned and left. Because I just wanted an opportunity to tell her thank you for believing in me. Not the most formative years in my life. Other things helped shape me. But there are teachers, people who just pour in us, believe in us, equip us, build us up. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we, we, we close this down. Think of a teacher, an educator, someone 
who poured into you, who built you up, who, who, who believed in you, uh, who, 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 who just supported something that you wanted to do. And when you leave here today, text them, call them, write them a letter. Some of them may not be around anymore. That, that's okay. That's understandable. Uh, I doubt Miss Ficarella is around today. I've had other teachers who poured into me. Uh, I had a seventh grade art teacher uh, who I've tried to find. Can't find her, but uh, I had other people. Uh, I had drill sergeants in the military who poured into me and believed in me. I uh, just finally connected with another one uh, online just a couple of weeks ago, Drill Sergeant Cook, who... Um, I'm not trying to brag, but I have abs of steel because of him. He was like a diehard committed worshiper of ab exercises for some reason. I had a first sergeant who uh, poured into me, just all kind of people. And most of those people do it without expecting a thank you. But if it made you who you are today, then they deserve a thank you. So text them, call them, write them, send a letter to them, connect with them on Facebook. Don't stalk them, but just reach out to them and say thank you. And then after you reach out and thank them, take a moment and say thank you to God, who, as we sang earlier, because of his reckless love, because of his pursuit of us, because he poured into us and he not only believed in us, that he sent his son to die for us, all while we were still separated from him. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we just thank you so much that there are people, educators, teachers, who believed in us, who equipped us, who helped build us up instead of tear us down. And we pray that you would just put it on our hearts to reach out to them, to connect them, and to thank them. And we also want to say thank you to you for the love that you show to us and that you believed in us enough to send your only son to die on a cross for us so that we might get to spend eternity with you. And for that, we give you praise and honor and say thank you to you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.